Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Get the champagne ready. The NBA Finals are here. Welcome to the NBA Finals. Let's raise our glasses and our rings to the two phenomenal teams left standing. My goodness! Here's the high-stakes action to thrilling moments we can't miss. To crowning our next champion. Here's a toast to the NBA Finals. The 2024 NBA Finals presented by YouTube TV continue on ABC. Hey folks, this is Kevin. On today's episode of Risk, you'll hear Buck Angel. And now I was getting eaten out all the time. I was getting fucked. I was like having the best time with my vagina. And I was like... (laughs) (laughs) That and more... But before that, how about this? With the holidays nowhere near, you don't have time to go to the post office. It will be packed with so many people you'll want to scream, so use stamps.com instead. You use your own computer and printer to print your U.S. postage. Sort your letters and packages. We use Stamps.com. Why don't you use Stamps.com? Right now, get this special offer when you use my promo code RISK. It's a no-risk trial, and we know that's just confusing. (gasps) Plus $110 bonus offer for the digital scale. And free postage. Go to Stamps.com before anything else. Click the mic on the homepage and type in RISK. That's Stamps.com. Enter RISK. Also, you might recall Chris Castiglione was a member of the RISK team for a long time. He created our site at risk-show.com. And I mentioned that Chris went on to create an online class called One Month Rails. One Month Rails is a series of bite-sized video lessons and step-by-step tutorials that teach anyone, even a total beginner, how to build your first web app in just 30 days. If you get stuck, there's always a real person there to help you. In the One Month Rails class, you'll learn Ruby on Rails, HTML, CSS, Bootstrap, GitHub, and more. So what are you waiting for? Enroll now at onemonth.com slash risk loves you. You'll get a one-time discount of 25% off for joining, and you'll be helping to support risk. Again, it's one month rails, 30 minutes a day for 30 days, and you'll build your first web app. Now here's the show. Whoa, whoa, whoa! 
Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and I don't know who the shit this is behind me now. Hold on. Let's see who this is behind me now. It's the Horn Singers. The Horn Singers behind me now. There they go. There they're off and singing. We're calling this week's episode Bodily Harm. Because there's three different bodies that find themselves in harm's way this time around. We've had people tweet to us recently. Oh my gosh, I almost fainted and had a car accident listening to the show. So listen, when you hear the title Bodily Harm, you know this is a good show to make sure not to faint and have a car accident over. In other words, there will be blood. In a little bit, we're going to hear from Lindsay Hoffman, who is a DJ at Fresh 102.7 here in New York. But before that, the amazing Mr. Kumail Nanjiani. Kumail used to co-host the Los Angeles version of Risk with Pete Holmes. Now he is on Portlandia and HBO's Silicon Valley and... Uh, Too many other places for me to keep track of. (laughs) Kamal is everywhere nowadays. I tweeted to him the other day that I had found this footage. We had it for the longest time, but I had just never listened to it. He wanted to make sure that since the events in this story took place, he has become a particular something. He used two words that were so memorable, I decided to make them the title of the story. So... Here he is now at the Risk Live show in Los Angeles at the Nerdist Theater. It's Kamal Nanjiani with a story we call Pure Fuck Machine. Hello. I actually just a couple days ago got back from vacation. I was in Singapore, and uh, oh, that's not someone clapping. Um, I was like, yeah, Singapore, good choice. (laughs) Something happened that changed my life forever. I I used a bidet for the first time. Has anyone ever? Holy fuck, why isn't everyone just talking about this? My life will forever be divided into two sections. Before I ever used a bidet and the age of enlightenment. It's unbelievable. The first thing, how does it know exactly where to go? Isn't everyone different? How does it? This had the knowing touch of an old lover. (laughs) I just used it the first time. I used it. This is the sound that came out of me. I was like, ooh. Just like loudly to myself. Like cold in places that have never felt the cold, you know? It's pretty great. I was there for like 20 minutes. I was talking to it after that. Fuck. And then I came home and I miss it every day. I miss it. But I'm taking it day at a time. And I can't. And my friend was like, you know, they have them here. I'm like, yeah, but I can't install one in my rental. That's a really horrible conversation with my landlord. Like, hey, listen, Uh, I have a filthy asshole and it needs all the help it can get. I mean, in the beginning, I used it so much, I was using it just to feel clean. 
And then I was just using it to feel like myself, you know? <laughs> so great. How many people have not used one ever? You haven't, sir. You know what's wonderful is the feeling that after all these years, life still has the capacity to surprise you, <laughs> to catch you sideways, you know, or right in the middle. <laughs> You gotta do it. I'm like, I'm like jealous. I wish I could do it again for the first time. It's so amazing. Who has done it and did not like it? See? Nobody. Why aren't we all doing it? Nobody hates it. You can do puns. You can do puns with it. You know what it feels like? It feels like tasting vanilla ice cream for the first time. With your butt. It's the greatest. Anyway, so that's euphoria. But the story I'll tell <laughs> is also about that, but it's also, it's something great and then something horrible. In fact, it's one of the worst days of my life. It turns into. Um, this happened when I was like 10. Okay, so here are some, you need to know a couple things before the story. One, I didn't start wearing underwear until it was I was way too old. Okay, this is a story of why I start wearing underwear. Uh, the other thing you have to know is I grew up in Karachi, Pakistan, and we had a amusement park there, and it was called Funland, which sounds like a real first draft name, right? Like, come on, guys, try harder. It's right down the street from work building and food room. Like come up with something, you know? But the thing, uh, what happened at Funland was every now and then someone would die. Kind of routinely, people would die and it was just part of the thing of Funland, you know? The car would fly off, someone would die. Here, if that happened, there's investigations. No, in Pakistan, it would be like a small, like Funland claims another life. And we would actually go then because we were like probability wise, now it's not gonna happen for a while. So go get that shit right now, you know? And it was actually kind of life affirming. What they would do is, right across from Funland was this empty field, and they would just move the cars of death, just leave them in the field as like a warning, like, it's gonna be fun, but it could also be that, you know? Like, you don't have to sign anything, but look at what could happen. So every time you went, you sort of had death, and then you choose life, you know? It was, it was kind of life affirming. It was fucking awesome. So we would do that, and then one day, my, uh, all of my cousins, uh, we were all gonna go, and this was right around the time I had just, this is where the euphoria part comes in, around that age, you know what I'm talking about, I just discovered masturbation. <laughs> discovered is a strong way to put it. I didn't like Indiana Jones my way into a crypt and read a scroll. <laughs> <laughs> my cousin, who was my age, came over once and was like, hey, I heard that if you go up and down on your penis, something happens. And I was like, go into the bathroom and try it right now. And so he's in there for like two minutes, he comes out red-faced, and I was like, how was it? And his lips move, but no sound comes out. And then he picked up a BB gun and shot a crow. And I was like, I gotta do that. <laughs> Today I become a man, you know? So I go in, uh, I have a very repressed Muslim up upbringing. I do it and it happens so quickly, like 30 seconds. Like I think I lost 30 pounds right away. <laughs> and I sort of come to, this is true, this is completely true, I sort of come to and I'm on the floor um, and I see, I swear, my Muslim repression dripping from the ceiling. 
that is completely true. Yeah, it's crazy. Awesome. And I, spoiler alert, I've never hit the ceiling again. That was it. So uh, I, was, I was doing that a lot. I was just, I was like scheduling my day around like, can we move it to four? Because I got to get another one in, you know? I was just doing it a lot. So the day we were going to Funland, I, um, I'd already done it three times. And this was like noon. So my cousins are going to be there in 10 minutes. So I was like, I could get one more in, you know? So I go in and I, so I would have like different levels of people I would think about based on how much time I had. So I didn't have much time. So I went for the nuclear option, which is possessed Sigourney Weaver and Ghostbusters. <laughs> I mean, that is the hottest scene of all time, right? <laughs> so willing and hot. So I'm in there, I get started, and my cousins get there early, and my mom starts yelling at me right away. Like, so it's already the fourth time I'm trying it. It's already kind of hard, and now my mom's yelling at me, and like Sigourney's down there floating, and it's, it's, uh, it's very difficult. Um, and my mom's like, we have to go to Funland. I'm like, that's where I'm trying to go right now. Just give me 30 quiet seconds. Um, I finally like will myself to do it. Like I get it done, I get the job done. There's no like, again, there's no real fun in it. You know, it's, now it's just workmanlike. Nothing I don't think comes out. Um, and then uh, if you remember, uh, this is why I started wearing underwear. Um, in my, in my uh, a hurry, I r pull my jeans up and I zip up through like, it's not even stuck in there anymore. <laughs> like, it's through. Not like the tip. It's not like, and I have half a penis. I don't know why I sat on this story for so long. This should have been the first story I ever told. I would change my name. Um, no, just like the side, like a chunk of the side comes out. Yeah, real bad. And then it's bleeding. And I'm like, I don't want to get infected. So I get my dad's aftershave and I pour it down there and it feels like a fire had teeth, you know? <laughs> it's like the kind of pain where I'm flashing back to like football highlights and pictures of dead relatives and the armies marching out of Mordor, which those movies hadn't even come out yet. I prophesied that. That's how bad the pain was. Uh, but then I go to Funland and I see the death on the, on the left and then I go to the right, uh, but I have no underwear, so it's chafing against my, the entire time. Really, really horrible. And to this day, I have a horrible scar from it. Um, it's functional, don't worry, it's doing great. It's, it's really, you know, got stories to tell. Uh, but uh, and now I'm married, which is good, because I kind of like, had to sort of had that talk with whoever I charmed enough to like get down there, you know? Like, uh, hey, it's not a weird thing. I mean, it is kind of a weird thing. <laughs> In Pakistan, we had a theme park called Funland. <laughs> All right, thanks guys, that was great. Hi, Chris here again. We've been having a lot of calls lately on people having problems putting their <laughs> on their zipper. We sell nylon zipper, which is less expensive than the aluminum zipper. And the reason why we don't even carry the aluminum zipper is this is a lot easier to work with. You can s over it when you lock your s at the end. It doesn't break your n and it comes in a couple of colors to make matching possible. Anyhow, it's very simple. Take your s put it on top of your zipper like that and push it down. Pull them apart like that. Not the back end, the top end. 
It's very simple. It just takes a little bit of practice, but you can do it. When I first moved to New York City, I started working at a rock radio station, K-Rock. It's an alternative rock radio station. I actually used to work in rock radio in Detroit. Detroit! And, <laughs> and when I worked there, um, it was cool, but it's like, you know, Midwest rock station. I moved to New York, and I was thinking, you really have to, like, up your game when you get to New York, right? And you got the rock job in New York. Huge listenership, really exciting. So when I got here, I thought I would take mediocre Midwestern me to the next level. I had like the lip piercing, the nose piercing. I was cool. I had a tattoo nobody could see. And the next thing I know, I'm getting this like cool new piercing, right? Dermal piercings. People weren't doing them really yet, but I was, saw them like in a magazine. I was like, I could totally do that. And I'm not scared, but I was very scared when I got them. But I, it turns out it wasn't so bad. But dermal piercing is it looks kind of like you got uh, bedazzled, like somebody just like shot a jewel into you and then you, and then you have that now. <laughs> so that's it. So basically it works the same way if you're into carpentry, it works like a molly for a wall. So you would make a hole and then you would put the backing inside, your, inside and it would stay. So what they do is they cut a tiny hole in your skin and then they pop this little, this little jewel, the backing into your skin, and it doesn't go in very deep. It's like, you know, it's, it's thin. It's, in, it's under the first layer of skin, right? So it's not that big of a deal. It's, it's totally cool. And I got two, because I get one when you can get two. So I got two, and I have two dermal piercings, and they look awesome. I have these two cute clavicle piercings. They look cool. They're like right under your collarbone, and you can see them when I wear only certain shirts, basically never. And... <laughs> And they are always, for the love of God, in the way when you're wearing a seatbelt. <laughs> Hindsight's 2020. There's like tons of other sites where you can see everything all the time, but hindsight 2020. And I got all these tickets all the time when I'd be driving the station vehicles for K Rock. I'd be in the car and we'd be driving somewhere, and I'd get pulled over at the tunnel or something for having my seatbelt on improperly because it was behind my neck because I couldn't wear it across the front because I looked so damn cool all the time. So living the lifestyle was a little bit tough for me, but that was okay because when you work in rock radio, you can look like anything, and that was awesome. And when rock radio started to change in the middle there somewhere and all the ratings like went down really far, and then I all of a sudden found myself working at a Top 40 station. And the Top 40 station fired everybody, like everybody that I was working with at K-Rock and kept me and just like a handful of other people. And I didn't really know why at the time, but I get it now is that I was like down to do anything. So I was like, I'll do it, whatever we're doing, just don't fire me, this is my only job. So the next thing I know, I went from listening to Metallica one day to Britney Spears the exact next day without anybody really telling me or asking me if it was okay. And then bringing on an entire new cast of characters to work with, it was crazy, and I didn't, ever in my life feel less like I belonged somewhere in my whole ever. I can't imagine a place where I was like, this is a nightmare. I got into radio for the music, going to concerts, and now every concert that we're doing, I would rather be dead than be at. And I have no idea how to tell my boss that because I really want him to still give me money and maybe, 
maybe somehow we'll start being rock again and it'll be the best thing that's ever happened to me. So I'm just going to stick it out. So I did. I stuck it out. And after a little while, I found myself leaving that job and getting a full-time job in the same building for CBS FM. And if anyone knows CBS FM, it's the number one radio station in New York City, which makes it one of the biggest radio stations in the country with one of the biggest listenerships with legendary like DJs. It's amazing. It's oldies. <laughs> and my job is from midnight to 6 a.m. So don't you worry, I never saw anyone, not one person that worked in the building. I was by myself almost 100% of the time, but like I said, it's a really important radio station and it's a really important job and it was full time for me, so that was a really big deal. And I felt the weight of the pressure of that job all the time because I lucked into it and I am gonna keep it. And I really liked it, and I didn't mind listening to the Beatles and all that stuff every night. It's, it was kind of like being at like the world's longest wedding reception for two years. So that's like a different. That's that's neither here nor there. I liked it very much, but um, one night while I was working, um, sitting behind the board, basically what I did as a board operator and producer for a show is the the jock that was on. He had pre-recorded all his bits earlier. So every break was already pre-recorded and ha was loaded into a system. And it was all perfectly in a computer. And I would come into work and I would sit down and I would just watch the computer. I was a computer babysitter for two years for six hours a night. So I got really good at like painting my nails. I basically memorized every word to every Seinfeld rerun. And... <laughs> I watched tons of shows that you have never even heard of uh, because they were free on Hulu. So don't worry about it. I did it for you. But in that time, you have like a lot of time. You're just sitting there by yourself and you're just, things are happening. And one night, my piercing like popped out at the top. And that had happened already, by the way. I have two. So the other one, like a month before, had popped out a little tiny bit at the top. So I went to the piercer right away and I was like, oh my God, something is happening. It's coming out right now. It's like growing out of my body. He's like, yeah, that is exactly what's happening. Actually, we don't really, these are new. So we've, I don't really know how to deal with that, but we'll figure it. We're going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out. So we, I lay down in the chair. I'm sweating. He like holds the skin super tight around the piercing. He grabs little pliers and he's like, I'm just going to pull it out. And he pops it right out. It was like effortless. It came out so easily. It was amazing to me. There was like one drop of blood. He put like one of those little dot bandages on it and he like waved me away and he was like, let me know if anything happens with the other one. And I was like, oh, you know I will. <laughs> so the whole thing happens and I was like, oh, that was no big deal. So when I'm at work and I'm just sitting there, it's like four in the morning, waiting for the morning show to come in and it popped out a little bit. I'm like, oh, that's easy. You just hold the skin down and you just pull it out. So I did. So I just like sitting there, you know, watching TV, whatever, listening to, I don't know, Wilson Pickett. And I, I held it down and I grabbed on with one hand. And I was like, if you do it once, as hard as you can, it'll come out and it'll be over. So I braced myself. And I pulled as hard as I could, as hard as I possibly could muster. And it didn't fucking come out. <laughs> So now the spot is bleeding. It's completely red. It's all swollen. And I'm sitting there like, well, maybe I should just wait till tomorrow. I could just wait till tomorrow and then everything will be fine. I'll go to the piercer and he'll just pop it out. It'll be great. And I'm waiting there. I'm like, I can't wait like, what, 12 hours to do that? That's insane. I don't know if anybody's had a zip before, but like, you're like, oh, okay. And I'm just going to leave it now until it just takes care of itself. You're right. Okay. So 
<laughs> You're, no one's ever done that. Come on. So I was like, I'm just going to do it again. Just brace myself. And I hold it down. And I take a deep breath. And I pull as hard as I possibly can. And it comes out. And it's hanging below me. So I grab some scissors in the office, like office scissors, and I cut it, and I'm freaking out. So I grab some bandages, which are deli napkins from a sandwich I had, and I'm like holding them on. And I grab some scotch tape, and I'm like taping it on to hold it. And I was like, okay, that went well. That went well, it's out now, it's out now. I have not looked at it. Don't wanna even know. So as this is all happening, the morning show people are coming in. I see the lights like going on in the in the studio, outside the studio, like all the green room, everything's like lighting up. And I'm like, oh cool, everybody's here. I don't know what's happening. So I like go down on the ground and I pick up the piercing and I wrap it up in a post-it note. And I put it in my pocket and I go back to running the board, smooth sailing, perfect segue, back into my normal life where I watch the computer do nothing. And everybody comes in and I fare them well and I leave and I go back into my normal life and I go home and when I get home my roommate is up and he's eating his breakfast and I was like dude you're never gonna believe what I just did at work it's crazy and I told him I pulled my piercing out and he was like ew that's so gross can I see it of course you can see it of course you can see it so I pulled down the deli napkin to show him the spot where I pulled the piercing out and there's a teeny tiny dot and a little bit of blood and I was like, oh, that's not, that's not that bad at all. That's not even bad. He's like, yeah, but what's wrong with your shoulder? And there was a perfectly red, raised, squiggly line up into my shoulder where I realized now and later that I had pulled out one of my muscle fibers. full range of motion everything is good I, nothing bad came of this um, but it was horrifying to see that later and uh, today I actually called that roommate and I was like could you just recap that story back to me really quick just like your version of what you saw because you didn't see anything else and he was like I think I had completely blocked it out <laughs> and when I told him about it he's like oh yeah that's so gross he's like why'd you call me I'm eating lunch I only catch him when he's eating, which is really funny, with the grossest stuff. But um, I would get piercings again. I would never get a dermal piercing. I actually would probably recommend never doing that because you never know what's going to happen with piercings that nobody's ever done before. And then now that they have, now you know you should never do it. But tattoos are probably a safer bet. It didn't matter like if it was for the lifestyle or whatever it was for that I was doing the, the piercings and like trying to live the certain way because a lot of things have happened in the last eight years in radio and maybe the lifestyle's changed but the passion's never changed, it's just been the soundtrack.
This is Risk. This is Amy Mann behind me now. And we just heard from Lindsay Hoffman. Before that, little something from Jeff Barr, little interstitial there called a zipper question. <laughs> Pardon me. Uh, and I just wanted to let you know, guys, you should mark your calendars because you know what's coming up? The 2015 Max Fun Drive. The last two weeks of March are going to be the best time of the year to support your favorite podcast. Beginning March 16th, we are going to be pulling out all the stops. We're going to be producing our best shows of the year, the juiciest topics, the most amazing guests, and we're going to be offering exclusive thank you gifts, including bonus episodes of Risk, to entice you to become a new or upgrading member of MaximumFun.org. So remember, the Max Fun Drive starts March 16th and only runs for two weeks. It's the most exciting time of the year on risk. Don't miss it. We hugely rely on what we raise during the fun drive each year, and the prizes that we offer are just wonderfully fun. Now, our last remarkable story on this episode comes from a remarkable man. It's been one of the highlights of my year so far, getting to know him. Such a sweetheart. He was just named one of the 10 fiercest gender warriors by Michael Musto. That must have been in the Village Voice. But he is also the first trans man to really make a big name for himself in the gay porn industry. More importantly, he's an activist, a remarkable performer, and just, just a hell of a guy. Here he is just last week at the Risk Live show in New York City. He brought the most intense story of the evening. This is Buck Angel with a story we call Animals. I didn't even have to blow him to get up here. It was super easy. Uh, awesome to be here. Thanks, Kevin, very much for having me. And um, I'm going to talk about a New York story because I thought it was appropriate for me to do this story. In 2007, New York City, the Black Party. I don't know if anybody here is familiar with the Black Party, but the Black Party is a... It's the circuit party of the gay men's leather scene. 10,000 and more men get together here in the city of New York at Roseland Ballroom. And they get dark, they get dirty, they get sweaty, they get sexy, they get mean, they get drunk, they get whatever it is that turns them on. And I was invited to be the headliner. 
And I didn't really know what that meant at the time. I was just like, okay, that sounds good to me. I remember they called me up and they said, hey, Buck Angel, the man with the pussy, we really want you to do this black party. And I was like, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And my career just started to sort of, my career in porn, just started to sort of flourish and become... I started to become known as the man with the pussy. And it was very exciting for me to get people to notice me and my vagina. Because I'm very proud of my vagina. And for many years, I hadn't been proud of my vagina. And I had been very disconnected from my vagina. As a woman, I was totally disgusted by my vagina. I never fucked my vagina. I never had my vagina eaten out. I never had anything done to my vagina. I was completely, totally distanced from that. And now I was getting eaten out all the time. I was getting fucked. I was like having the best time with my vagina. And I was like. (laughs) It's awesome to see men clapping too. (laughs) But it was like, it was such an amazing, powerful experience to be now sort of being accepted into the men's gay scene. Gay porn being one thing. But like the gay men's sex scene is a whole nother place. It's very private. It's about being male. And for most men in this caliber or this type of show, it's about the cock. Vagina doesn't exist. To these guys, vagina is It has teeth. It has scariness. It has, oh my God, I don't even know what the fuck that thing looks like. I've never seen a vagina in my life. So here I am entering this place. Picture, dark, music, amazing music. They get like five, ten of the most amazing DJs in the world. Guys with muscles, beautiful bodies, just amazing outfits, amazing things going on. Just beautiful time. And it goes on for two days straight. Nope, you walk in and you don't leave for two days. That's fucking awesome. (laughs) If you've never experienced that, experience it one time in your life. It's incredible. I don't do drugs or alcohol and I still had a fucking amazing time. People are getting fucked up in there. They're, they have sex everywhere in any, any crevice, any place. The Roseland is huge. I know pretty much everybody here is probably familiar with it. It's huge. So there's every, any place that you can go. And I show up that night. And these people, most of the people at that time didn't know who I was. So I show up with my bag of tricks. And I'm going to perform. And they built a large scaffolding for me. Like th- I think it was like three stories high. And the theme of the night is Schwarzwald, the Black Forest. And they dress me up like a, like a big wolf. And there's other animals. And we're all dressed up like animals. And we go in, I go in the back to get dressed. And everyone's getting dressed because that's what you, you know, you got to put on your outfits. And there's all these muscle dudes in the back doing push-ups and getting ready and jacking off. And everyone's cocks are hard. And then everyone's looking at me like waiting for me to get my cock hard. And they don't know that I'm the man with the pussy. And so there I am in the back, and they're like, and they're jacking each other off and sucking each other and kissing. It's hot. It's really hot sexual experience. And I take off my pants, and I take off my underwear, and total silence. No more jacking off. No more sucking. Everyone, it, you can just feel the energy. And I'm like, whoa, these guys are totally freaking out on me. 
And I hadn't been used to that yet. Now I'm used to it and I don't really care. But at the time, it was a really new experience for me. And I ended up sort of being on the outside of these guys where they were all doing their male thing. And I was feeling very pushed to the side. So I was like, you know what? Fuck that. So I started doing my push-ups and I started doing my man thing and I was like, you know, and I was like patting myself here. (laughs) I'm getting ready. Fuck that shit. (laughs) I'm like, this thing will eat you up. (laughs) I'm ready. So I go out and I'm ready and everyone's ready. We're climbing. We have to climb. It's a whole theatrical experience. It's beautiful. And I climb to the top because I'm at the top of the thing and I'm, I'm the wolf and I'm dancing and guys are looking up at me and they're like, what the fuck are we seeing? And they, they don't know because they don't see a cock, right? They're ready to see a big cock hanging out. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like dancing with my thing on. And this one guy crawls up the scaffolding and on his headpiece, he has a big fat dildo and he crawls to the top and I'm like, yeah. And he comes up from underneath me and he starts fucking me with his head, with his dildo. And I'm like, yeah. And it's just like that. It's very primal, that whole thing. It just brings it out of you. And then everyone's just like cheering for me. I don't think, they don't know what they're cheering for. They're just cheering. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm just like totally getting into it. And I crawl back down and it's like, this is so much fun. I'm having the most amazing time of my life. And I'm not even high. And I'm like walking around and going through and watching everybody just having a fucking amazing time. People aren't paying attention because they're just into each other and dancing. And it's like thump, thump, thump. And it's just unbelievable. So I go walking around. I'm just watching guys. Guys are kind of touching me. They're not sure. Because again, I'm naked and I have very tall leather boots on. That's all I have on, tall leather uh, lace-up boots and a harness. And I'm just walking around, dancing with everybody, having a good time. And guys are, like, trying to touch me. And, I, again, I wasn't yet used to that, touching stuff. So I was just like, not cool yet, dude. Relax. Relax. <laughs> and so then I'm, like, walking around. And I go back. And it's time for me to crawl back up again. And I crawl back up again to the top of the thing. And I'm all dancing and having a good time. It's just pom, pom. And I crawl back down again because my set is three sets. And I crawl back down. And I said, I'm going to go back out on the dance floor again because that was totally fun. And I go back out and I'm walking around. And that's when the guys, I think now it's later. It's about maybe five hours into the time I started and now. Guys are really fucked up. That energy is really intense. It changed. It shifted from... Happy, 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 we're fucked up. To, I'm going to fuck your brains out. And it's the most dark, intense, sexual feeling that I ever felt. I never felt that. It, it, it's something more. It's not fun sex. It's this male-on-male sexual experience that I had never experienced as a man. And I started to realize there's a different shift in male sexuality, in gay male sexuality, than there is in female sexuality. So I was like a little bit freaked out and nervous, but I just kept walking through and going. And then all of a sudden, guys just started to touch my body. And I thought, this is fun. I'll just go with it. This is cool. I'll just see what happens. And they started to touch my vagina. And they started to say, is that really real? What is that? 
where did it come from? How did you get it? And I'm like, the music is playing. I thought we were having a really good time. What's going on? And then all of a sudden, the energy around me shifted. And five, 10, 15, 20. At this point, I don't even know how many more guys. I was surrounded by so many guys that I knew in that instant I was fucked. And there was no way for me to get out of this. And I just let my body go like this. And I was like, oh, please don't let this be happening to me. Please don't let this be happening to me. And from my bottom, underneath my ass, I felt myself being lifted. And I felt myself being lifted and lifted to the top of a group of men. And my legs started to be pulled apart. And I was like, fucking hell, this is not happening to me right now. And I just knew that if I fought back, it was gonna get worse because they were in a state of fucking sexual energy that could not stop anybody. And at that point, I could feel mouths on me. I could feel hands on me. I saw hard cocks coming from me everywhere. This could be a hot fucking scene in a porn, but it wasn't. It was reality. And my legs could not come back in. And I'm a pretty tough guy, and I can hold my own. But not when you have 50 guys on top of you, and I'm at the top of the heap. And all of a sudden, out of fucking nowhere, a hand comes from the top of that pile and grabs my leather harness and yanks me from the top of that fucking heap and says, Jesus Christ, Buck, we've been looking for you everywhere. You're up next. <laughs> and I was saved. <laughs> It was pretty intense, and I really thought for sure at that point I was gonna get raped, and to be saved in that kind of a situation didn't make me dislike being in the gay scene, and in fact, it gave me an understanding of what animal I was about to become. And not that I became that sort of way, but I understood male sexuality in such a different way that it made me appreciate being a man just a little bit more. It's hard to explain other than the fact that I understand this sexual need that men have that I did not understand as a woman. But through this experience at the black party, it just took me to a whole nother place of my masculinity. Thank you.
is all for this week folks this is wilco behind me now listen detroit detroit we are coming to you on april 9th the theme that night is abnormal we need your pitches if you live in detroit or anywhere near pitch us at risk-show.com submissions let us know your pitches for the detroit show that is abnormal as the theme that night chicago Chicago will be there a couple nights later, April 11th. The theme that night is freaky. <laughs> it's kind of pretty similar theme to the other one. But listen, Chicago, pitch us. Pitch us your stories at risk-show.com slash submissions. We want to feature the most outrageous, the most juicy, the most honest, the most emotional stories that we can get out of Detroit and Chicago those should be fantastic shows. Now, you might be thinking, what about Portland? Portland is on March 29th. The theme that night is crisis. So, Portland, we need your pitches too. Risk-show.com slash submissions. Come on, kids. Pitch, pitch, pitch. The 29th of March is Portland. Come on out and see that show. Folks, don't forget to spread the word that we teach storytelling as well. That's one-on-one -on -one training over Skype or in-person workshops, online video courses. It's all at thestorystudio.org. Folks, today's the day. <laughs> Take a risk. Also... <laughs> 